the Word of God is found in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, beginning of verse 31. Luke chapter 4, verse 31. And I might say to you that this fourth chapter of the book of Luke is one of the most uh, tremendous chapters in the Gospels about the public ministry of Jesus, His temptation, His preaching in the synagogue in His hometown. And Jesus was run out of His hometown. When Jesus became 30 years of age, He was baptized of John in the river Jordan. He was led of the Spirit of God in the wilderness and tempted 40 days and 40 nights and came out victoriously perfect. And then Jesus preached in His hometown, Nazareth. It was His hometown at that time. Matthew 4.13 tells us, And leaving Nazareth, He went to Capernaum and dwelt there. Jesus changed His residence during His public ministry. But he was born in Bethlehem, of course, raised in Nazareth. When he went into the synagogue in Nazareth, as this chapter plainly tells us, and preached the truth and preached the Bible, he was run out of town. And he escaped from them because they wanted to thrust him over the brow of the hill at Nazareth and kill him. So we take up right there with verse 31. And he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had the, a spirit of an unclean devil, and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And he, Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this! You will notice in verse 32, They were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. Now then, and they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this! For with authority and power... He commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the fame of him went into every place of the country round about. I want to take for our text this morning, verse 34. It's a very unusual verse, a very peculiar verse in a sense. The demons in a man in the synagogue spake, and the devil said, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? 
art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And I want to lift out of this text this morning just three words, actually. And these words were spoken by the demons who possessed and dominated a poor man in Capernaum. These demons said, Let us alone. When the Lord went to Capernaum and began to speak, the Bible said they were astonished at His doctrine because His Word went forth with power. When He finished speaking in the synagogue on this particular day, they said, What a word is this! For with authority and power He commandeth even the unclean spirits to come out of people and he has victory over even even over demons. And one of these men in the synagogue, demon-possessed, Jesus spoke to him. Jesus loved him. Jesus singled him out. Jesus dealt with him as an individual. That's the way he deals with all of us. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. But God deals with men and women on an individual basis. When He singled this man out, the demons in him said, Let us alone. They were, they were surprised at the teaching of Jesus because His teaching was so original. People said of Jesus, Never man spake like this man spake. He had fulfilled the law of the Old Testament that had to do with himself. And so many times he said, Moses said unto you, Thus and so, but I say unto you. Moses came bringing the law. I came bringing grace. His teaching, at which they were so astonished, was with great authority. It was uh, adaptable. You know what Jesus said applied to life. He didn't use uh, superfluous words. When Jesus spoke, He spoke to the heart. When Jesus spoke, he, what He said dealt with the lives of people to whom He was speaking. He spoke on no superfluous subjects. He dealt with the real issues of life. And he spoke with authority. And his teaching was adaptable. But oh, I spoke with love. Oh, this man of whom they said, Never man spake like this man spake. He spoke with compassion and tenderness and love. And when he came to this man in the synagogue in Capernaum, the demons in this man said, we don't want to hear any of this. Let us alone. Why have you come to destroy us? These demons said. You know, that's the way men feel. A lot of people feel that to be a Christian means to have your life destroyed. Oh, no, my dear friend. That shows a misunderstanding of life. To be a child of God does not mean to have your life ruined and your life messed up and your life 
uh, warped and destroyed. But to be a Christian means to have the only real life there is. That's life in God. That's eternal life. That's life that never ends. Eternal life in Christ Jesus. Let us alone, this man said. You know, I think this is applicable to the world today. Let us alone. Don't bother us. We, we don't want to be told. We are not in a mood to listen. We do not want to be bothered with this teaching of salvation that Christ can change the life, save the soul, and make a person a new creature in Christ Jesus. Let us alone. I think it's, it's a way of life. And maybe, I don't know, maybe more so in America and the world now than maybe in previous years. I don't think I've ever known in my lifetime when this attitude was more prevalent, let us alone. We don't want to be bothered. We don't have the time to fool with this sort of thing. Let us alone. I remember reading of a man who jumped from the bridge down in Detroit, Ambassador Bridge, jumped in the water to commit suicide, to take his life. It so happened that some folks in a boat and equipment near enough, they threw him a life belt on the end of a rope. He treaded the water and rose up out of the water as far as he could and took it and flung it from him and went down the third time and drowned himself. He was saying, I want to die. Let me alone. I want to destroy my life. Leave me alone. I don't want to be bothered. Remember, this is the attitude of demons. Remember, this attitude originates with the devil. Leave me alone. I don't want to be bothered. That's the attitude you find so many times today. Now, there, a, a man said to me recently, and a good man, my, one of my real personal friends whom I love, he said to me, and I know why he said it, he said to me, you know the day of building a church by house-to-house -house visitation and personal visitation, that day is over. I won't buy that. I won't buy that because that's the Bible way. That's God's way. But I know why he said it. You know, we Christians go to the doors of people today, and I have Christian workers, and I don't want to frighten anyone because a Christian ought not to be afraid of anything. But uh, I have Christian workers say to me one after another, you know, we went to this door, no one wanted to talk to us. We went to another door, no one wanted to talk to us. I've had the same experience. Had it all my, all my ministry, I've had that experience. But I want to tell you, if you keep going to enough doors, you will find somebody will say, sure, I need what you have. And you came at the right time. I'm at the bottom 
I need to be lifted up. I am about to perish. I need help. But I, I'm not going to buy that, that the days of winning people to the Lord is over. But I will say this. There's more of the Spirit in the world today, I think, than ever before. Let us alone. Leave us alone. We do not want to be bothered. That is the cry of the world today. Now, there may be some reasons for it. I think sometimes people say, let us alone. When we demand an open and public alliance with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've said this many times before. There's no such thing as slipping in the back door to heaven. Some people seem to think that. I had a call, long-distance call. Two preachers were arguing about what part does the public confession of faith have to do with salvation? And they were arguing about it. Uh, and one of them called me. Uh, he was just unwise enough to think that I might have the answer. What part does the public confession of faith have to do with being saved? I do know this. I know that the thing that saves a person is a heart faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross bearing our sins and arose from the grave for our justification. I know that 99 times in the Gospel of John, 99 times the Bible says you're saved by believing. Believe on the Lord. Believe in the Lord. Believe in the Gospel. But I want to say this to you. This Bible says, thou shalt, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And I must say to you, in order to be true to the Bible, that in the matter of being saved, which is a matter of faith in Christ, there comes about a public confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. For one thing, everyone who's saved needs to follow the Lord in believers' baptism. This Bible says, They that gladly received His word were baptized, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And I would say that a person that's saved ought to follow the Lord in baptism. That's a public confession of faith. I say that a person like Jesus said, Whosoever believeth in me shall not be ashamed. And when you find one who says, I just want to be quiet about it, and I don't want a big to-do made out of it, I just want to quietly slip into heaven into the kingdom of God, you're finding someone who is afraid to make an, a public, open alliance with Jesus Christ. And sometimes when we, like the Bible, and I'll use the word demand in a conservative way, when we demand that Christians make an open alliance and public confession of identity with Christ. 
many people say, let us alone. I talked to a man 74 years of age, years ago out here in the community of Kego Harbor. 74 years of age. I was talking to him about the Lord. He said, now, preacher, I want to ask you. I told him he could be saved in his home. And I've seen hundreds of people saved in their home. I said, you can be saved in your home. But he said, now, preacher, I want to ask you something. You know, folks have a way of getting the cart before the horse. They want to worry about something down here that if they take care of this right here, this down here will be no problem. But he said, I want to ask you, now if I get saved in my home, do, do, does that mean I'm going to have to come to a church and make a public confession of my faith in Jesus Christ? I said, if you get saved in your home, you won't mind if you get saved. You won't mind making a public confession of your faith in Jesus Christ. He said, wait a minute. He said, you told me I could be saved in my home. I said, that's right, you can be. He said, if you think I'm going to come to that church and walk down an aisle and make a public confession, he said, I am not coming. And he did not come. And as far as I know, that man went to hell. I'm saying to you, whosoever believeth in me, Jesus said, shall not be ashamed. Oh, can you imagine one saved by the blood of Jesus, sins forgiven, washed away in his precious blood, with your name written in the Lamb's book of life, and you adopted into the family of God, and being ashamed to let it be known. This old world, when an open alliance is demanded with the Lord Jesus Christ, this old world says, let us alone. There was a great evangelist. Uh, I heard him preach when I was just first saved, William Edward Beterworth. I'm positive probably no one in this building ever heard William Edward Beterworth preach. I don't think any greater evangelist has lived in my lifetime than Will William Edward Beterworth. He did not get the great publicity that some got, like Billy Sunday and, and others. But William Edward Beterworth was used of God to win thousands and thousands, uh, tens of thousands of people to Christ. They used to organize trains in uh, cities, and this train would be going to the large city, special excursion to take thousands of people to, to the meetings of William Edward Beterworth. I heard him preach. He had an impediment of speech, and, um, but he had so much of the power of God on him it was absolutely unbelievable. And thousands and thousands of people were saved on the ministry of William Edward Beterworth. William Edward Beterworth, holding one of his great campaigns, had an old war veteran come to him and said, I believe I'm a Christian. I, I, believe, I believe I'm saved. But he said, I've never walked down an aisle. I've never made a public confession. And he said, I've never been baptized. 
And he said, I don't aim to. William Edward Beatlewolf just merely tried to explain to him the Scripture. He said, if you're really saved, Jesus said, whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. Whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. He explained that. The man said, I will not do it. He said, I've been through the war. I'm not afraid of anything. But he said, I'm not going to walk down any aisle. aisle." And the the meetings of William Edward Beaterworth lasted weeks, sometimes months. And thousands of people were placed in the churches by the Lord saved in those meetings. One, One of the greatest works of God ever done in America. About three weeks went by, and one night there came walking down the sawdust trail, the old war veteran with his head bowed and the tears streaming. And he said to William Edward Beatable, he said, the more I thought of it, I wrestled with it at night. He said, my heart's been smitten if he loved me enough to die on the cross and be publicly exposed for me. I ought to want to make a public alliance and, and confession of my faith in Jesus Christ. And he did. And I want to tell you, that's what the Bible demands. That's what this Bible demands. You know, we've got too much of this lockjaw religion. I say sometimes to a person, are you saved? Yeah. Then I think, maybe they're not. I don't know. I think if someone would come to me and that didn't know me and come to me and say, my friend, are you a Christian? I think I'd say, yes, thank God. But thank you, thank you for asking me because I'm 68 years old. I've traveled hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of miles, and not one person, not one stranger has ever said to me, Sir, are you a Christian? I'd like it. Now, I don't need to have you come because if you don't have sense enough to know it now, you wouldn't know it even after I explained it to you. But in all my lifetime, it's never happened. Let us alone when an open alliance as a, is demanded as the Bible demands it. Sometimes people say, let us alone when they see the sins of other people who profess to know the Lord. When ministers sin and fall, and when Christians deliberately sin against God, violate His holy word. Many people in the world say, well, I'm not any worse off than that person that professes to know the Lord. You know, people in all professions, no matter what it is, you take sometimes lawyers don't do right. I know some good ones. I know some saved ones. I know some that know the Bible and teach it and preach it and stand by it, live on it. But you, we've developed the expression shyster lawyers because some lawyers are not what they ought to be. But who would say there are no honest lawyers and no real lawyers? 
I suppose there's such a thing as doctors. I thank God for doctors. And some of the most self-sacrificing people I've ever known have been doctors of medicine. But I suppose there's such thing, things as doctors who are not straight and not honest. And when, when uh, some doctor makes a mistake, people say, well, uh, I don't want any doctors. Oh, no, that's not the way to do it. And I want to tell you something. If you know of a Christian that's not what they ought to be, that's no reason for you to say to God, leave me alone. I'm as good as somebody else. Jesus had one out of the twelve. Never was what he ought to be. And all twelve of them embarrassed the Lord when they said to him near the time of the cross, one of your disciples in your doctrine, he talked to them of his doctrine and he acted as if he were almost ashamed. The Bible said all of them forsook him and fled. And no doubt the worldly people said, look at them running. Let us alone. And I want to say to you, when a Christian openly and flagrantly violates God's holy book and lives in sin, you're sending somebody to hell. Let us alone. Let us alone. Don't bother us. We're as good as those people. I had a man say to me, is such and such a man a member of your church? He said, yes. He said, well, then... If that's Christianity, I don't want it. Said he moved out of my apartment, tore it all to pieces, owes me three months' rent till this day. He closed my mouth. He absolutely bound my hands. There was much, little more I could say. That's the cry of the world when they see the inconsistency of Christians. I know a lady sitting in this audience right now who talked to a young boy who's nearly killing himself uh, by partaking of something no one should ever take into the body. And his answer was, my mother tried it. Why shouldn't I? And a many a Christian, a many an unsaved person, when a Christian is inconsistent. says, leave me alone. I'm as good as the members of your church. You know, uh, um, when a person says, well, uh, you got hypocrites in your church. I don't want to be a Christian because you have hypocrites in your church. You know what they're doing? They're hiding behind a hypocrite. And a fellow that will hide behind a, a hypocrite is a lot smaller than the hypocrite. You know, I can hide this pencil behind this book because this pencil is smaller than this book. But I can't hide this book behind this pencil. And no one can hide behind a hypocrite and get by with it. You can say, let me alone all you want to. But that's no excuse. You'll wind up in hell, be cut off from God forever. 
You cry in hell, hypocrite, 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 but you still burn. There are hypocrites, but there's no reason. Remember, the devil said, leave me alone. Leave me alone. That's where the expression came from. Sometimes people say that when they, they want to live absolutely unrestrained. That's typical this age. Throw off the yoke. Um, they talk about being free. But our Lord said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And he said, if, if the Son of God make you free, you'll be free indeed. But people say, I don't want to be restrained. That's what the Antediluvians said. By going build your old silly ark, never has reigned and never will. 120 years transpired. Bible said, God said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. And God destroyed him. That's what the Sodomites said. They said, Fire and brimstone from heaven never has happened before, but it did happen. Buried those cities. And those cities of antiquity lie beneath the waters at one end of the Dead Sea this morning as a mute reminder that God, God always does what He said He will do. Don't, don't, don't you say, I want to live unrestrained. I've often mentioned my father, who now is with the Lord and saved many, many years after I was saved in the ministry. My father's mother, my grandmother, whom I never saw, of course, my father's mother died in childbirth when my father, the only one in, the, in his family, only child, died in childbirth. My father's father, my grandfather on my father's side, was cutting a tree, and it started falling before it was completely cut off at the stump, and it split up hit him on the chin, broke his neck, and killed him. My father never had a father or mother, really. And a sweet old grandmother took him and uh, tried to raise him. And I used to hear the stories about my father, whose mother died when he was born. His father killed, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, father killed before my father was born. During the time... His mother was carrying him. Um, her husband, my grandfather, was killed with a falling tree. But I remember telling the story. My, my, my father, when he was a, a boy, had been to a circus or a little old uh, tent show somewhere down in the country where a man walked a wire. And so he went out one day and strung a wire between two trees. And my father took after me. He was stubborn as a bull. He couldn't tell him anything. He was playing a violin one time. And I don't know why in the world I'm thinking of this. And um, somebody said to him, the children are asleep. Don't play that violin. He's sitting in front of an old open fire. He just took the violin, threw it in the fire and burned it up. So... Uh, when you see things out of me you don't like, this says, just like this old man. <laughs> he sets that wire, and it, it, my, uh, that sweet grandmother would be my great-grandmother, of course. She said to him, 
Johnny, you're going to kill yourself. You can't walk a wire. You've never walked a wire. He said, leave me alone. I can walk a wire. He had it strong way up high between two trees, going to climb up one tree and get up the wire and walk it. She said, Johnny, you're going to kill yourself. He said, leave me alone. I'm going to walk this wire. They said, my sweet old grandmother, and I did, I did see her, and I do remember her, dressed right down to the top of her shoes and great big ball of hair back here, old homemade dress. They said she just put her little hands together, start walking in the house, and she just went in and went to the bed and pulled the covers back and got the pillows ready. And about the time she got the bed ready, she went back out, and there lay little Johnny on the ground <laughs> with a breath knocked out of him, and she picked him up and carried him in. said, Johnny, I told you, you're going you're gonna to kill yourself, going to hurt yourself. You know, God tells us that. And preachers tell people that, and Christians tell people that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And people, when they want to live an unrestrained life, say, now just leave me alone. I'm through. You know, people do not want to think of judgment. Oh, let me be blind. Let me be like the ostrich with his head in the sand. Let me not see the ultimate end. Let me live as I please and let the judgment take care of itself. It will. Oh, let me say to you this morning, God's holy word says, uh, God now commandeth ev men everywhere to repent. For God hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world by that man whom he hath ordained, even Jesus Christ the righteous. Acts 17, 31. Every person must meet God at the judgment day of God. If you're saved at the judgment seat, if one is lost at the judgment bar, and when... When people talk about judgment, 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 people say, how can a God of love do that? A God of love sent his son, and he died robed in blood and crowned with thorns and shamefully suspended between two thieves because he loved you and I. But he said, God hath appointed a day in which he'll judge the world by that man that hung on that center cross. And men must face him in judgment. Oh, Dr. Truett preached many, many years ago in the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. He's preaching on the text, You do always resist the Holy Ghost. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. And he said, The Spirit of God speaks to people, and you do always resist him. And a man stood to his feet, and he said, That's my story! That's what I'm doing. And turned like a nervous wreck and went out of the church. And I want to say to you, you can cry, let me alone, all you want to. But the years will pass and one day the sun will set in your sky 
and the evening shadows will lengthen, and the grim reaper of death shall knock on your door. And the Bible says, appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Oh, I remember when I was an 11, 11 year old boy, I was being let alone, and I didn't want it. I cried at night, oh God, how I'd like to be a Christian. But people let me alone. They even let me come and stand and sprinkle some water on my head and sit me away. They let me alone. And I came that close twice in my life, just that close of winding up in hell. And God has been so good to keep me out of hell. And when I was close to 20 years of age, thank God there's somebody wouldn't let me alone. An old country preacher said, No, I won't leave you alone. I'm going to stand between you and hell because I love your soul. And I'll tell you, God's never going to leave you alone. He can find you anywhere. There's never a night so dark and never a point so far that God can't locate every one of us. Shall we pray? Oh, Holy Spirit of God, this morning, speak to hearts. Lord, we're afraid that we Christians have kind of lost the edge and lost sight of what it means to be lost and what it means to go to hell. We don't take it too seriously anymore. Not many tears are shed about it anymore. Oh, God, this morning, may the Holy Spirit speak to hearts. And, Lord, I, I just want to thank you this morning that somebody said, no, I'm not going to leave you alone. And I want to thank you for those thousands of Christians, many of them already in heaven, that said to people in this church years ago, no, I won't leave you alone. I want you to be saved. Oh, Spirit of God, this morning, speak to hearts and pour out thy Spirit upon us for Jesus' sake. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to ask you, how many of you people can say this morning, preacher, I know I'm saved and I know I'm a child of God and I know I'm going to heaven and I'm glad and I thank God I can lift my hand and I've never one time in my life said I'm going to heaven because I'm better than somebody else never I never have said it I don't in my right mind I never will I'm going to heaven because I have Jesus Christ in my life and I've trusted him and I, I have made him my sole hope my only hope if there is no hope in Jesus, there is no hope because in Him alone I've looked to save my soul. How many of you can say, Preacher, I know I'm saved this morning. Would you like to slip your hand up? That'll be your testimony. Raise it toward heaven and God sees it this morning. Thank God for everyone. You may take them down. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, 
Are there those here this morning say, Preacher, I'm not really positively 100% dead sure I'm saved. I'm, I'm not a Christian. I don't really have the, the assurance and the knowledge and the hope of heaven in my life this morning. You know God loves you. Jesus shed his blood for you, and Jesus would have died for you, I believe, if you'd been the only sinner all the world. He loves you, and he singles you out this morning. Please don't say, Jesus, leave me alone. Don't say that, I beg of you. I wonder how many this morning say, Preacher, pray for me. I need to be saved. I need to be saved. I'm not a Christian. I need Christ. I need to be saved. And I want you to pray for me. Now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And I believe that hundreds of people, hundreds of people right now praying, Lord, if there's a lost sinner here, save that lost person. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I wonder how many of you say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm not on the way to heaven. I'm not saved. I don't want to lose my soul. I don't, I, I don't want to just plan that hell's going to be my eternity. Pray for me. Slip up your hand right where you are. If you say, pray for me, I need to be saved. Just lift it up till I see it. Slip it up, upstairs or down. Pray for me. I need Christ. I need to be saved. Just slip it up right where you are. Man, a woman, boy, a girl, put it up quickly. Pray for me. I need to be saved. Now, we're going to pray in just a minute. But now, will you listen carefully? I'm going to pray. I don't know people's hearts, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm, we're going to be, we're going to take the safe side. We're going to pray. If there's one unsaved person here, that they'll be saved this morning. But there are people here this morning ought to walk down this aisle and say, Preacher, I want to put my membership in this church. It's where God wants it, and it's where I ought to be. I'm going to cast away all pride, everything else. I'm going, I, I need to come. I want to join this church. There are some this morning ought to come down this aisle. You've been saved, but you've never been scripturally baptized by immersion in water subsequently to your salvation experience. I want you to come. Let's pray. Oh, dear Lord, save some precious soul this morning and help people to come who need to join the church or to be baptized. And may no one leave this building because they're ashamed to make an open alliance and public confession of faith in the Lord. And may no one hesitate to walk these aisles who needs to come to be saved or to join the church and be baptized. Help them to come this morning, for we ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory alone. Amen.